And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast brought to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name's Anna. I'm joined today by fellow QI elves James Harkin and Andrew Hunter-Murray. And also a special guest today, historian and Horrible Histories writer Greg Jenner, who has a book to plug, correct? Yes. Plug, 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 plug. It's called A Million <laughs> Years in a Day and it's out like now and now. it's quite good it's quite so good it, yeah. it is good some yeah. of us have read at least bits of it it's amazing I wouldn't go that far but it's alright <laughs> it's above average I would say it's definitely sort of top 70 percentile you know like you know it's a 2-1 okay <laughs> <laughs> a high 2-1 book <laughs> buy it um, okay let's get on with the show and for fact number one let's go to you Greg Okay, so my fact is from my book because I am that unimaginative. And my fact is, in the 1960s in America, uh, there was one particular bus route that was uh, only 35 miles long. But during that time, passengers passed through seven different time zones. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. How does that work? Right, so it's fairly complicated. So I'm going to have to give you probably a bit of context. Okay. Um, This is all to do with daylight saving time, which is something we have here, of course, in, in Britain, and it's a familiar concept to all of us. Um, but it was an idea first put forward about 100 years ago by William Willett, who was a mustachioed Englishman. Uh, he was also the ancestor of Chris Martin from Coldplay, you know, for your, ah. your fans. Who of wrote Clocks? Exactly. There we go, see? Um, so he put that forward in about 1909, I think, and he was arguing for trying to get more daylight into the time. And so everyone went, well, this is a nice idea in principle, but it's, it sounds very complicated. We're not going to do it. And then in 1915, he died, and everyone was sort of mocking him, and the idea was going nowhere. And then Germany picked up with the idea and said, this is a brilliant idea, we will do this. They did it during the war, didn't they? They did it during the war. And it was like it saved them energy. Yeah, because that extra hour of daylight meant you didn't have to burn loads and loads of gas and oil, and that could then go to the war effort. When he died, did everyone miss his funeral by an hour? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as soon as Germany adopted it, Britain very sheepishly went, Hmm. yeah, maybe we we should do that as well. And it became known as Willet time, um, which is like hammer time, but with with (laughs) a moustache, I think. Um, And anyway, it then spread around the world, and America adopted it. And the problem with America is it's a much bigger nation than Britain. And so America has loads of time zones, and it's too big. And so the government says, all right, come on, let, let's, let's be sensible here. We're a federal nation, so each state can decide if they're going to opt in or opt out. Yeah. And then the problem is, is that each of the states then said to the towns and cities, okay, you guys can also decide if you're going to opt in or opt out. <laughs> and so 28 of the states uh, opted in to DST, and then the various cities would then decide, oh, are we can do it, we're not going to do it. And so what happened is you ended up with this incredibly chaotic system to the point that in Idaho, uh, shops that were next door to each other might be on different times. So in the same wow. building, like you could literally go like, next door to the corner shop this to get This is amazing. Like, you know, this was milk. in the 1950s and 1960s. Until 1966, this was happening. This was happening. How, it, I just want to say, how did it work with the two shops that were next to each other? It reminds me of a place I went to called Baal Hertog on the border of the Netherlands and Belgium. Right. Oh, yeah, the exclave place. Yeah, so there's loads of exclaves, and the border between the two countries is really, really complicated. And they have the lines you can see on the, on the pavement.
adjustments you can see where the lines are so you can like walk from Belgium to Netherlands then back into Belgium then back into Netherlands again and it's something like the Netherlands rules on selling pornography are supposed to be so much better than Belgium so all the pornographic shops are in Netherlands and all the firework shops are in Belgium even though they're in the same town they're all put in different buildings that's uh, I mean I think I mean that's a mad idea isn't it but I think and certainly kids in Michigan go to Canada to go drinking in oh, the they? Yeah. because Canada like, I think it's 18 is legal age in America at 21 ah. this is in fact there was a golf club set up on the border of the US and Canada during prohibition as a way for Americans to be able to drink so the uh, drinking club within the golf club was on the Canadian side of the border <laughs> so you could enter the golf club in America and then you kind of wander over to the side which had a pub go drinking it's a brilliant idea yeah but I, so I think William Willits one of the reasons people thought he was crazy because his system was quite complicated. So he was suggesting going forward by 20 minutes of daylight a day, right? Yeah, he, he suggested... Which is very complicated. I think he suggested, I can't remember exact details, but he suggested changing the clock something like six or seven times a year. Yeah. Uh, which is just a bit too much faffing. And also people had only just got uniform time. Because until the, sort of, uh, the coming of the railways, every town in Britain had its own time. Um, I think Bath and Bristol were, I think, about seven or eight minutes behind London. And so when the trains arrived, that became chaotic because people missed their trains, obviously. And then William Willett turned up and went, hey, guys, what if we all changed our clocks <laughs> loads and loads of times? You know, a really annoying date. And we'd all get an hour back. It was the railways which actually made the first time zone. Yeah. It's called Railway Time. Railway Time. It's so cool. And all the, the really interesting legal implications over what could happen. So really? if babies were born at the same time, but in different places, that, you know, a whole inheritance could be changed. Because technically, oh, wow. you know, the child had been born earlier, therefore was got the yeah, will or the inheritance wow. or whatever. So all of this happened only because of um, fast speed communication. So mm. trains, telegraphs, that kind of thing. Yeah. The amazing thing is, I mean, so going back to my original fact, this 35-mile route, you had to change your watch, I think, every... Eight minutes. I mean, did people actually do no, that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think you know, maybe if you're like really into timekeeping. Yeah, I bet there was um, a really nerdy schoolboy. But it's just sort of this amazing idea that you'd get on a bus, and it was only 35 miles. It's between um, Moundsville, West Virginia, and Steubenville, Ohio. And during that time, you would pass in and out of time zones, back and forth, back and forth, back That's and forth. That's so cool. What you guys were saying about different towns having their own times, and um, that was in America as well. And um, in the 1870s, North America had 144 official times in all the different towns and stuff. 144? Wow. Yeah, and if you went from uh, Washington to San Francisco and you wanted to be this nerdy schoolboy who changed his watch all the time, you'd yes. have to change it over 200 times. No way. <laughs> But in fairness, it's a long journey and you need to do something to take up the time. Yeah. Podcasts have not been invented no. to be listened to in transit. No Sudoku yet, it's just, just watches. Yeah. But I mean, the problem with timekeeping is a really ancient one. And as, this is something I sort of tried to cover in the book of it, is that you know, the ancient Egyptians you know, were trying to work out what time it was via the stars and via solar clocks. But um, back then, there was no standard 60-minute hour. Is so it true that in the Middle Ages they used to, um, they would have, say, 12 hours in a day? And that would be from sunrise to sunset. And so if it was a longer day in the summer, then the hours would just be longer. Yeah, so exactly right. right. Yeah, they basically, I mean, there were scholars who kind of went, hey, guys, I think we should have actual equal hours. But it didn't really work. There's no point being smug if you're stumbling around in the dark. That That's so interesting. You... So when it seemed like in the summer term, the hours were going really yeah. slowly yeah. because you're waiting for the holidays. It's because they were. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> until the invention of like gas lights and stuff, when people actually could have artificial lighting, People just went to bed when it got dark. But so how they went did to people bed. know how long it was? Like, how did they know in advance? Sand timers and water timers. Uh, okay. um, the ancient Chinese, or the medieval Chinese had clocks that you could smell. 
So each hour was a different incense. So wow. it burned down, and so you'd be like, oh, it must be lunchtime because I can smell ginger. Oh, it's <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> What's for lunch? Ginger. ginger. <laughs> so, yeah, the history of timekeeping is really, really confusing. It wasn't until I think the 14th century that it was um, a Muslim scholar, um, I think in Syria, who came up with the first equal hours clock. Before that, it would have played hell with things like woman's hour. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Woman's 72 Minutes. It still is really complicated, time zones and timekeeping and everything, isn't it? Like, some countries have the most eccentric systems. When I live in Australia, they have various bits of Australia that are, have it in half-hour increments rather than in hour yeah. increments. And some places have it in quarter of an hour increments. I think there's a yeah. town of 200 people in Australia which has decided to be uh, GMT plus eight and three quarters. Brilliant. So The town of bloody Awkwardsville, yeah. Australia. <laughs> I'm trying to work out, so how many time zones do we think there are in the world? So if you just count an hour... They're the divided along 15 degrees across the world since the 1880s, I think it is. So, so there should only be 24, of, I think basically. So, yeah, yeah. Except there are 26, because there's a little group of islands which decided to put themselves to... Because they did more trading with America. Oh, really? They decided to join oh, America's yeah. time. So if you look down the... Um, International, international date, date line. line it's got a really weird kink in it it's not a line at all because it scoops these islands in is that so Samoa or American Samoa or Tonga no Samoa's different Tonga? Samoa's yeah. the one that went in 2011 it decided to go uh, back a day didn't it so it missed out the 30th of December 2011 oh. sorry it went forward a day, forward a day. Forward a day. Yeah, yeah. but I did get an extra day on the 4th of July 1882 awesome. 1892 use it uh, wisely yeah <laughs> so I reckon what would happen is everyone would celebrate the day before because it's like a big event mm-hmm. everyone would be hung over to hell on that day yeah. and no one would do anything on that day at all and then the next day they go what do you do on your extra day oh I just stayed in bed <laughs> yeah. I'd just love there to be like a Doctor Who episode that's set in the lost days oh, that yeah, don't exist yeah. like some sort of weird quasi universe where Pitch that that's great yeah I, I don't actually watch Doctor Who so I don't know how it works but it, it would be it's like that like that basically yeah. Yeah. in fact that made a lot more sense than a lot of the Doctor Who's <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, some things on buses. Oh, yeah, buses. Seeing as we were talking about oh, yeah. that at the start. So there is a bus driver in Moscow called Alexei Volkov, who is known as the Punisher because he <laughs> deliberately rams people who cut him up. Really? Wow. When you say cut him up, do you mean people who stab him with a knife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cut no, you I'm up. afraid no. not. If you've it, driven in Moscow, it's like that. All yeah, the time. Everyone's it, cutting you up all the time. That is a weirdly visceral metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. For, for just someone driving in front of you a bit close. Yeah. yeah. Going to cut you, you up. Cut me up. <laughs> I wonder if there's ever been a confusion in a police station on that. If anyone's ever got a really long prison sentence unnecessarily for just slipping in front of someone. All in I a did car. was cut him up, Governor. <laughs> 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 Now it's time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that if a predator gets too close to a limpet, the limpet will lift up its shell and then stamp on the predator's foot. (laughs) How cool is that? (laughs) So how fast does it do that? Because I think of limpets as being quite slow-moving. They are slow. They generally get about a metre away from their home before going back. Brilliant. That's a big outing. That's a long weekend for a And they have to get back before the tide comes in, so, you know. Why do they leave their home, then? If they're only going a metre, what are they looking for? They are looking for food. They are hungry for algae. (laughs) They they love an algus. The other thing is, they'll stamp on your foot if you go Mm. too near them, but they only have one foot, don't they? They're just a foot. That's all Olympics. They are the foot, but they hold it. They've got the shell all around them, so that's the uh, painful bit. Oh, really? So the the muscle, the foot muscle, is in the middle, and then obviously the shell, you know, crunching down between the predator and the rock. Things like starfish like to eat them, and uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think they can do it very fast. But it's called mushrooming. Just uh, why is a, it called mushrooming? Mushrooms don't stamp on you. I suppose when they go up, 
on their foot and the shell is around them, they look like a mushroom if you're from the side. Oh, I see. But that's just that's just a theory. I don't I don't know like that's it. true. Yeah. And so yeah. Th- anyway, they move across. They go commuting basically for algae, and they move across very very slowly. Um, and they have this tongue called a radula, which they scrape over the rock, and it's got 1,920 teeth yeah. on it. Whoa. Yeah. Um, with hardened with iron compounds. Basically, if these things ever decide to grow bigger, we are stuffed. <laughs> um, the, um, the compound is called gerthite, I think. Is it? Uh, named after Goethe, the um, author. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, it's quite a long story. So <laughs> it was named by a guy called um, George Lentz, uh, who was a friend of Goethe. And if you read any books, it says that it was named in his honour. Yeah. But actually, these two guys fell out quite early. He introduced uh, Lentz to his sister. And oh, we don't no. know. His sister was <laughs> married. And we don't know what happened. But then a little bit later, uh, Lentz was kicked out of the court of Weimar. And then later on, uh, Lentz then named this mineral after Goethe. But it says it's in his honour, but these two didn't get on. And so I think mm. that it was named against him because he didn't like him and it's this thing which is found in the tongue of a limpet but it's also found in mud and i think he was like literally making his name mud nice it's a good theory good theory yeah so yeah. limpets then limpets <laughs> <laughs> their commute sounds thrilling yeah it is but doesn't algae come to them no right well in a way yes I think they filter water through their gills, mm. but they do also definitely go across the rocks in right. search of food um, very, very slowly. They also migrate limpets. How yes. far? Not very talking? far. A few metres. About a metre, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the winter... <laughs> do, they have so to... go, do they go south for winter? <laughs> Three metres. <laughs> they, move, they move up the shore, so it depends which yeah. direction the shore is. If you is, ever see a flock of limpets in a V shape, <laughs> that's their migrating. It's, it's for better aerodynamics, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, they, so when they and when they go, they leave a trail of mucus behind them. Right. Um, when they and they go across, scraping the rock with their tongue and getting all the algae up off the rock. But then the mucus they leave behind them actually encourages more algae to grow on it. But that's basically farming. They are encouraging more food to grow in the path they have been in. Uh, yeah. 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 So not only is it it's quite advanced farming, if they're rotating, yep. are they enclosed? Well, it's not it's combined harvesters, is it? <laughs> right. But they do get subsidies from the EU. For <laughs> <laughs> they have a butter mountain? <laughs> An algae mountain. An al- right, here's a question, and you may know the answer to it. I'm going off topic here, but how many bacteria would you have to have before you could see them in a lump? What would a mountain of bacteria look like? It would look like a lot of pus, basically. Um, really? But how do you know that? Just before we get on to that, how do you do know you that it would look like a mountain of weird pus? Uh, I, think, I think I might have read that in one of XKCD's things, oh, either cool. in the book or on their website. Yeah. Would, surely it would depend on the kind of bacteria. Some of it, yeah, aren't some it all look the same? I no. think it would look like a big shimmery, silvery, greenish, bluish So like the blob lump. from like the classic yeah. Hollywood movies in the 60s or whatever. But, I mean, James sounds I think like he's I've actually said, done some research on this. I think this, I've so. said this before. The blob is based on a real police report. I might have said this before, actually. Really? Yeah. It was based on a police report in America in the 1950s about a mysterious blob. Which you, turned out to be a giant cluster of bacteria. If you haven't seen The Blob, it's such a good film. It's got Steve McQueen in it. Yeah. A really, really young Steve McQueen. And um, The Blob eats everyone. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> yeah. spoiler alert. So it just swallowed things up and digested them. Yeah. 
There's a great bit where a farmer gets angry with it and fires a gun into it because he's terrified. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. It just eats the bullets. It gets a fraction bigger. Again, guys, spoiler alert. Sorry. Come on. Yeah. We we were talking about bacteria. Yeah, there's a bacteria bacteria that you can see. I think Um, the biggest bacterium I think might be nicknamed Conan the Bacterium (laughs) by the (laughs) newspapers, and I think is it visible to the naked eye? I think it is. Just one of them. I believe so. That's amazing. We've mentioned in one of our books that bacteria can get viruses. Viruses can, can get viruses. And viruses can get viruses. Yeah. Big viruses can get small ones. They found a big virus. It was in a cooling tower somewhere in, in the UK, I think. Yeah. And it was a massive, massive virus. And then they found another one, and it was orbiting the original virus, and it's called Sputnik, they called it. Really? Yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. Again, like a, it might be a newspaper nickname, I don't know. It's like a satellite virus. Yeah. I'm just going round and yeah. round it. If you dropped a load of bacteria right. out of a plane... <laughs> okay. <laughs> How much? A blob's worth? Yeah, Blobsworth, say. Would they fall, or would the air currents be enough to just keep them up there forever? Oh, interesting. Ah. That's what a cloud is, Andy. (laughs) It's just a load of bacteria. Well, a cloud needs something for the water droplets to nucleate around, and sometimes that would be bacteria. Really? Yeah. I imagine. It would usually be like dust or sand, but I bet it could work with bacteria. They've just done a trial of cloud seeding, or they've done a study of yeah. studies of cloud seeding, oh, yeah. which is where you uh, you drop a load of iodine crystals from a plane, and then that incur- those are the tiny, tiny crystals which the water droplets form around, and then you get rain or snow. And they found that it does have a small positive effect. They don't think that it's currently good enough oh. to deliberately do anything to yeah. the weather. Like, you could probably make a difference, but it's not reliable enough. So yeah, you can't just wake up and go, it's a sunny day, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my cloud seeding. We did cloud seeding just before summer this year, and we're very proud to report it's been a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell we haven't done any limpet research? <laughs> I've done lots of limpet research. Okay, let's hear some. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm keen to talk about limpets. Um, limpets are all... The, there's basically no such thing as a limpet, hey, which is good, yeah. yeah. So limpets uh, don't really exist. Um, I think they do, Andrew. I think they don't, because it's just a name for aquatic snails with basically conical shells. Right. That's all it is. Um, it's a very informal term. You know, lots of different things that we call limpets come from different, uh, you know, different phyla. There is a thing called a common limpet, isn't there? I think. Yes, there is. And that'll be a specific species. And that's very informal. That's a it wears jeans species. and yeah. uh, <laughs> doesn't take its shoes off when it comes in. The way Wikipedia describes limpet... Was, it's exactly how I've just described it, because exactly this is where I got it. You missed off the bit that it adds. So a limpet is a common name applied to aquatic snails with shells broadly conical in shape, rather like the conical Asian hat. Which I've never, <laughs> I've never seen Wikipedia open with a simile. Nor a They're slightly t- racist simile. Yeah. <laughs> no. What, what's the conical age talking hat? about? You know, if you took a slightly racist picture of someone from Asia from the 1950s, yeah. and they'd be a, like a rice farmer with their hat. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. a conical, yeah. like broad, like lots yeah, of shade. Because yeah. if you're working outdoors as a as a rice farmer, then that's it keeps the sun off your head. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. So you so starfish eat limpets, don't they? Or yes, try to. They do. And the way starfish sometimes eat things is they sort of make their stomach go to them I think rather than them going to their stomach so I think starfish expel their stomachs Mm. out of themselves and then swallow them up into their stomach so I guess like a limpet when it's trying to defend itself might stamp on a starfish (laughs) stomach is that what it does? I think it I might assume do, that happens. Yeah. I assume there are starfish stuck by the stomach somewhere by a limpet. Have you heard of starfish wasting disease? No. Yeah, it's very sad. It's um, a disease which is kind of getting a bit bigger at the moment and it basically gets starfish to waste themselves by ripping their own arms off. What? Yeah. They rip their own arms off? Yeah. How do they rip off the last arm? <laughs> uh, the, the arms 
continue to crawl around for a while <gasps> after after they rip them off. So it's pretty creepy. Maybe they all gang up and rip the last one off as well. Did I hear um, on was it a, a podcast or maybe an episode of QI about a, a plant that's so painful when you touch it? A guy tried to sh- a guy shot himself. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a gimpy nettle. gimpy, and yeah. it's so painful you just can't even tolerate living anymore. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's how it works. But didn't. Didn't he use it accidentally as loo paper? He did, yeah. Oh. It was in Australia. This is a report in Australian Geographic. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, this, it stings so much it's like being electrocuted. He electrocuted and on the bum. Yeah. It's horrible. He picked what? it up, wiped himself, and in so much pain he shot himself. Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who've electrocuted their bums, that's reminded me of one of my <laughs> favourite ever stories from history. And uh, it, it was he's a fairly famous <laughs> guy, actually. So it's, this is Alexander von Humboldt. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, oh, yeah. You, you yeah. Might, yeah. He, he, might was, heard him. he was mega famous, wasn't he? He was like a proper yeah. famous... He was a polymath and... Exactly. So yeah. an Enlightenment scholar, proper Prussian chap. Uh, he has. Does he have more things named after, species named after him than anyone else? Really? I feel like maybe he does. I think he's got a lot. Darwin he, sounds like it would be more, but yeah, I'm not right. sure. He did loads of research in South America. And in his 20s, he got really obsessed with electricity because it was kind of Galvani had just been electrocuting stuff and everyone was going, electricity is the new, that's the new thing. And so one day he and his assistant were sort of wondering, I wonder what electricity does to dead things. And they found, I think, a dead bird and he reanimated it and mm. with the electricity and it came back to life after 10 minutes and he went, oh, amazing, brilliant. That's Electricity can revive the dead. It probably died of heart disease or something and it restarted the heart and the heart was bleeding. And it... Or maybe it was asleep. He <laughs> <laughs> just woke it up. Um, but... Having electrocuted the bird, he then thought, well, electricity is clearly amazing. I wonder what else I can electrocute. I know myself. And so he put one uh, electrode in his mouth, and then he inserted the other one into his anus, and (laughs) then electrocuted himself. And uh, one of my favourite ever quotes from history is his description of of the outcome. Um, He put it about four inches into his rectum, and he described it as this. The introduction of a charge into the armatures produced nauseating cramps and discomforting (laughs) stomach contractions, then abdominal pain of a severe magnitude, followed by involuntary evacuation of the bladder. What struck me more is that by inserting the silver more deeply into the rectum... (laughs) (laughs) Having evacuated my bowels, I thought, I'd stick that further in. Uh, More deeply into the rectum, a bright light appears behind both eyes. So he wow. basically went, ow, this is really painful, and I've, I've pissed myself, but what if I keep going? And then he just basically had sort of blindness behind his eyes. That is a scientist. Uh, and then what about when scientist. he went deeper? Uh, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you take it. I see what you mean. It's like he saw a bright light. Yeah. I, I was kind of picturing lasers coming out no. of his eyes. <laughs> I think what he's describing is basically just like flashes of electricity uh, behind his, yeah. like, you know, like oh, wow. pure blinding. Um, and the lovely thing is that that didn't put him off electricity at all. He then went to South America and did various research where he... He came across, I think, um, an electric eel, and the first thing oh he God. did, <laughs> shove it up his ass. <laughs> he didn't. Thankfully, he didn't do that, but he did pick it up and go. Ah! All right, you try. Gave it to his assistant, who went ah! and gave it back to it, and they electrocuted themselves all day long, just <laughs> testing how painful it was to be electrocuted. By. They used to put eels up horses' bums, didn't they? So you would go to market and you would want to sell your horse, but uh, you want people to think it was better than it was. You put um, either some ginger or an eel up their bums, and it would make them more lively. You should never look a gift horse in the mouth, but you should look in the anus. <laughs> Just in case. Um, I think the Romans also used electric eels as a cure for headaches. I Did think they? Wow. memory says. I think Would that, that, work? that might work. I think well, because they definitely had eels and they were really interested in eels. They used to have man-eating eels in their ponds and, and slaves used to be thrown into them. Man-eating the eels. Like, really, really aggressive. Well, really aggressive eels that would just wow. eat any flesh. And if a Roman aristocrat didn't like a slave or if a slave had broken a nice cup or something, they'd be thrown, <laughs> thrown to the eels and eaten. Do they have cups? 
I suppose they must have done. They, they did. Yeah. No, but they ha- I, I think of them. They had an empire. I think you're not bothered about the man-eating <laughs> eels, but wait, no, cops, you say? Yeah. What? No. I, what, they had aqueducts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all this water all the way here from the mountains. Right, everyone, get your hands together. It's time for the tea. What I mean was, oh god. I don't think of them having cups with handles. I think of them having little handleless goblets, yeah, things okay. like that. But actually, I mean, the, there was one very famous Roman and aristocrat who was so in love with his eels, his pet eels, actually, that he put earrings on them and painted their faces like like a lady. Oh. Uh, so apparently when the eel died, he cried bitterly, you know, more so than oh. when his own sort of slaves or family died but when it's the like eel snuffed it he was really all really the sad. cute Roman Buzzfeed pictures were not of dogs in jumpers they were of eels with makeup on <laughs> yeah, long eels yeah. <laughs> that's creepy yeah as really hell. creepy yeah animal defence mechanisms just have we ever talked about the pygmy sperm whale I no. think I'd remember <laughs> we've talked about all those three things separately but I don't think we've talked about the combo okay <laughs> <laughs> so A, it's really quite sweet. It's tiny. Um, and B, as a defence mechanism, it's another animal that shoots like syrupy stuff out of its anus, um, <laughs> which things that are trying to chase it kind of get stuck in and disoriented by. Um, it's a deep, it squirts a deep coloured syrup into the water and spreads it around with its tail, it's so syrup, it like mixes it around the like paint. Species though, isn't it? Right. Uh, is it feces? Well, if it's dark and syrupy and coming out of its anus. I always say if it looks like feces, tastes like feces, it's probably feces. I prefer to call mine syrup. <laughs> um, and yeah, swishes it around in the water like a painter uh. mixing his paints. Um, but... <laughs> like a really weird painter. <laughs> like Stop Tracy Emily <laughs> mixing yeah. her paints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Time for fact number three, and that is my fact. And my fact is that after landing on the moon, Buzz Aldrin worked in a car dealership where he failed to sell a single car. I'm not surprised if he's selling them on the moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be fair, they, w- they would have had a massive mileage on the clock as well. Yeah. <laughs> and they only sell one type, which is a rover. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, he came home first, right? Sorry, after returning from the moon... Buzz Aldrin worked in a car dealership and failed to sell a car. Oh. Yeah, so this is this. So it was in Beverly Hills, um, and he worked there for six months. I think it was a Cadillac dealership. But I was reading this, this really interesting article about how after Buzz Aldrin and Armstrong landed on the moon, a year later, almost no Americans knew who they were. They completely slipped out of the public what? eye. Yeah, nationwide surveys done. The New York Times ran a lot of them. And yeah, one in 12 or one in 10 people would be able to name Buzz Aldrin or Neil Armstrong. That's Buzz unbelievable. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, and they think because at the time, so one theory is that at the time, um, because it was like a race between the Soviets and America to get to the moon, once they'd got there, it was like, well, we've done that now. We've won that race. Um, Tick box, moving on. And another theory put forward is that neither Buzz Aldrin nor Neil Armstrong are particularly good orators. And so this guy thinks that because they weren't able to, like, maximise their experiences and they just kept on saying, yeah, it's really great. How good an orator do you need to be to say, I've been to the moon? Because <laughs> <laughs> that is an a- arresting opening line. Yeah. yeah. Friends, Romans, countrymen, I've been to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't sell a single car. Surely, like, even crap salesmen sell, like, one car a year. He must have been really bad. Yeah, well, you're People right. presumably came in wanting to buy a car. Yeah, if you go to a Cadillac dealership, that's what you're in the market for. Yeah. yeah well, they cool. just talked about the moon the whole time. Yeah. And then they left, forgotten what they got in for. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, what did I mean to get in that Cadillac dealership? <laughs> I think it was an anecdote about the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. 
Um, But no, I think he was quite depressed after he landed on the moon for a while, wasn't Mm. it? Him and Neil Armstrong were both very disappointed for a while at the fact that they'd been forgotten. If you Google Buzz Aldrin car... Right. The first thing that comes up is Buzz Aldrin cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some great reviews of it online. Oh, yeah. I want to tell Go you on. about a couple of them. Um, great product. I accidentally scared the wife as I set it up in the living room and was adjusting the support when she walked in. She actually thought it was a real person for a few seconds. <laughs> Mate, uh, is this why people didn't think he was a good orator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing them. Yeah. Um, Neil Armstrong, did you know that his hairdresser sold a lock of his hair and Neil Armstrong sued him for $3,000? Really? Yeah, he, he, fa- he went back to his barber and found out his barber had just been selling locks of his I hair. I would definitely sue him. Yeah, I think, I think I that would as a, well. It's a bit weird, isn't I it? I think, what was it, um, Harry Styles from One Direction vomited out the side of a car oh, and yeah. the vomit went on eBay for thousands of pounds. Oh or something. Did it, yeah. You're not allowed to sell <laughs> biological stuff on eBay. It cost me a fortune in delivery. <laughs> 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 but we've long since venerated, like, you know, the saint's bone. You know, little, the finger of you oh. know, St. Peter or whatever. Like people have yeah. always wanted little bits of body from so it's the sec- holy vomit. It's a secular Harry relic, basically. It is a secular Britney relic. Spears' chewing gum has gone on eBay in the yeah. past. And um, Elvis's cup of water, yeah. they, the guy sold the water but not the cup. Genius. So he, he was keeping... <laughs> was he, from, he, was, he was from ancient Rome. He's like, yeah. there's not many of these around. <laughs> 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 well, who owns the hair when you go to the hairdresser and then they cut it off and then you leave well, the shop? Where does it... I mean... I, I think if someone cuts your hair without your your permission, that is technically assault, I believe. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm not, but if I'm, it's your hairdresser, then that's not Well, obviously assault. you're giving well, permission. With your, yeah, I mean, if your hairdresser is cutting your hair without your permission, then you need to have a, a good hard look at your life. <laughs> How is it at the back? Are you like, I did not give you permission for that? <laughs> <laughs> they used to sell hair from hairdressers um, to wig makers. They still they? do. Yeah. They? You can sell your own hair. There are nuns who sell their hair. Mm. So that um, implies that it belongs to the hairdresser. Yeah. I mean, in ancient Rome, blonde slaves were very fashionable. You get German and British blonde right. slaves, and they, they would be bought almost exclusively to have their hair, which you would then cut off and turn into a wig for fashionable Roman ladies who were maybe you know, brown-haired. Wow, that's so strange. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, some people who have gone on to do different things. Yeah. Um, you know the TV show Gladiators? Yes. Yeah. So I went on to... I found a website of where are they now <laughs> of the Gladiators, and there's a few people. One of them was Shadow, uh, and he um, had a bit of a bad time afterwards. His lowest point was he was arrested for attempting to use an elderly person's bus pass, despite being 43 years old. That was his <laughs> lowest moment. Ooh. Yeah, he he sadly had like a drug addiction, but he's oh. gone through it now, and he's a rehabilitation counselor. Good. Um, there was three members of the Gladiators team in the 2000 movie Gladiator. Really? Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that just amazing? Did they yeah. misunderstand the job application? <laughs> <laughs> They're getting the gang back together. <laughs> <laughs> Turning out with a huge pugil stick, so they have pillows on either end. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, stop demanding a travelator. <laughs> didn't exist in ancient Rome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rocket, Rio and Rebel. I don't even remember those. I don't remember any of those. I remember, I remember Rebel. Rocket. I don't remember Rocket. Who was Rocket? Isn't he a salad? What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some stuff about salesmen, because that's what Buzz became. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a survey done in America. Um, they took a load of unpleasant things, and they asked people whether you preferred this unpleasant thing or Congress. And but You um, mean uh, American Congress, not sexual Congress? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> cool. It can be the same thing in some cases, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so, but yeah. then you would probably be fired for impropriety at work. Yeah, quite. Unless you're Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> So um, they were given used car salesmen or 
people in Congress, and 32% of people preferred Congress, and 57% of people preferred used car salesmen. Wow. But that's a bit of a strange thing to ask, because it's, do you prefer them in the abstract? Yeah, it is. Would you rather... You know, have one to supper? Exactly. I'll give you a list of some of the other things that they gave when you prefer. (laughs) People preferred all of these things to Congress, okay? Uh, Root canal surgery. (laughs) Head lice. The rock band Nickelback. That was was quite close, that one. That is extreme. That is a real... Colonoscopies. Traffic jams. Cockroaches. Donald Trump. France. Genghis Khan. And Brussels sprouts. Genghis Khan is my favourite. That's amazing. <laughs> what do you prefer, Congress or a 13th century warlord from Mongolia? Yeah. That, that How many people well. are really hating Genghis Khan these days? Really? Yeah, exactly. Oh, really loathe is that Genghis Khan. You know what? I think we should let it lie now with Genghis. <laughs> do they do any combos? So did they say, would you rather have Congress or a colonoscopy from Genghis Khan? <laughs> Used car salesman. Yeah, I don't know anything about them. No. no, except they're generally unpopular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just the trope, isn't it? Because Matilda's dad is one, isn't he, in the book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Buzz Lightyear was a used car salesman. Or, was he, or they new cars. Buzz, 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 Buzz Aldrin. Aldrin. I said Buzz Lightyear. You did. I that's on, fantastically weird. I actually kept on Googling Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. that's such a and he strange... And he was a bit annoyed about that. Was he? Yeah, but the, he was... Buzz Lightyear was, was. Buzz Lightyear was furious <laughs> yeah. of being associated with... With Buzz Aldrin. Some low-end yeah, Buzz Lightyear's been to infinity and beyond, and beyond. And Buzz Aldrin's just gone as far as the moon. I can totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our final fact, which is from you, James. Okay, uh, my fact this week is also from Greg's book. Great. Excellent book. And it is about the Catholic sect called the Cathars. And the Cathars get their name from the fact that they are thought to be pure, like Catharsis. But during the Middle Ages, some people thought that they got their name Cathars from the fact that they like to kiss a cat's arse. If they did like to do that, it's understandable that people assume that was where the name came from. I don't think they did like to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So just making that clear. It was said that they did, but of course... Was that just rumour-mongering by a rival sex? Uh, It was (laughs) rumour-mongering amongst um, the whole of the Catholic Church, really, because everyone hated them. Why did everyone hate them? Um, They were very popular in the south of France um, at the time. Um, but they had um, they had different views to the rest of the Catholic Church. Right. Um, one of the main ones being that there were two gods, one good one and one evil one, like a Satan and a, and a normal right. god. Right. Uh, and that was something that was completely thought to be a terrible thing by the Vatican, and so they um, tried to put them down in any way they could. And it wasn't just by killing them, it was also by saying that they liked to kiss cats' asses. Really would you rather yeah. be killed, or would you rather I told you you like to kiss cats' asses? <laughs> <laughs> Which do you prefer, Congress or... Congress with a cat's ass. They were, so it was also spread, I think, that they were sodomites, wasn't it? Which was really unfair. That was like the most common accusation that was leveled at them because they didn't like, I think sex from the front was how I read it described somewhere because they thought all sex to procreate was sinful because I think they thought that bringing anything into a world that was so full of sin was was not a good thing. Um, So people just went, well, if you're not having sex from the front, you must be doing it from the back. And we're against that. Uh, (laughs) In fact, I was wondering, because I came across this researching your fact, where the word bugger comes from. It's in Bulgaria. Yes. I think it was either the Cathars or there was another sect that was similar in Bulgaria. The bugger mills, was it? Yeah. Um, And they were the same. They were like, we're so pure, we don't believe in having sex to procreate. And so everyone went, well, that must mean that you're having anal sex. And that's where we get bugger. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
I did not know this. Mm. It's a, it's a weird, it's an interesting time as well because you know, they're sort of around the 1200s, 1300s, and so forth, and so they are kind of. They're this hot new sect that's gaining momentum. Hot sects. <laughs> hot sects. <laughs> um, they seem to be quite an ancient sect as well. They Suddenly they gain momentum. Yeah. And I think they end up being a bit of a... A bit, a bit too much of a threat to the Catholic Church. Yeah. And so the Catholic Church use both violence, horribly murdering all of them, and then also propaganda. Because it's the best wow. way... Yeah, the best way to you know, destroy someone's credibility is to yeah. basically just... Unless they really did just read an advert that said hot new sex (laughs) and then it was next to an advert advertising hot new sex and they got confused between the two and one was an anal sex ad, one was a... (laughs) What kind of magazines do you read? (laughs) Um, I read and I... So I don't know if this is true of the Cathars. There was one blog that said it was true of the Cathars um, and it was definitely true of the Manichaeans, uh, which were quite similar, also a dualistic sex. They believed that there were good heavenly particles that were trapped in plants and trees. And uh, they thought that the way we could get the good heavenly particles to go back up to heaven, it was our human duty to eat plants and trees and then expel their heavenly air by farting and burping and by every time you farted or you burped then that was sending the good particles back up to heaven where they belong so you were doing your godly duty would you fart in the direction of heaven maybe you had to yeah stick your bum in the air maybe that's where the other rumours came around (laughs) (laughs) our farter who art in heaven (laughs) hallowed be thy name wow they sound like an interesting bunch yeah they were they had quite good gender roles didn't they Mm. Um, they thought that you would be reincarnated all the time but they thought that men could be reincarnated into women and women could be reincarnated into men so they didn't really see any difference between the two sexes yeah because this is a period in history where women get a a bum deal I think it was the the cats that were getting a bum deal yeah exactly It's Eve who is responsible for the fall. Adam was just like a slightly clumsy human who was a bit taken in, but Eve is the one who gets punished, so she has a menstrual cycle given to her and pain during childbirth. It's a kind of a slightly misogynistic theology. We'd call it a flack. Hmm. But the ultimate villain in the Bible story, so yeah, Adam was okay, Eve was kind of evil, but obviously the real bad guy in Genesis was the snake, um, according to most people. But there was a Christian sect called the Ophites, and they were snake worshippers, and they actually believed that the snake was a good guy because God was trying to withhold from Adam and Eve the truth and wisdom about the world, and the snake was there and like offered the apple and said, look, and revealed wisdom and truth to them. Uh, Their equivalent of the Eucharist was they'd arrange bread on a table and then they'd have to charm a snake and lure it to the table and then they'd kiss the snake and then they'd eat the bread. That so that could be what we were doing in Kissing church. the snake doesn't sound... Well, first of all, it sounds like a euphemism. And second yeah. of all, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a very good thing to be doing. It sounds no. dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds Maybe that's dangerous. why the sect died out and didn't just, make it as Just far. stick to this lovely eel wearing mascara instead. <laughs> but in America, at the moment, there are sort of... I think there are kind of cults, or maybe not cults, but sort of slightly extreme Christian... Sex, well, they do do snake charming and snake worship, I think, in oh, the really? deep south. Really? I think. Yeah. For the same reason. I think oh, that's where that sure. comes from. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a similar place in Greece, um, if I can find it. Yeah, it's just south of Macedonia. <laughs> hey! <laughs> that, again, sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's this thing they do on a Greek on the Greek island of Kefalonia, and it's to celebrate the falling asleep of the Virgin Mary, which is apparently just the death of the Virgin Mary. And there's this village where every year 
a whole bunch of snakes enter the church and slither up to the Virgin Mary whose statue is at the front and then slither onto her harmless snakes and then slither away. And apparently uh, it's bad luck if they don't do this every year. So before World War II broke out, the snakes didn't do it. And I've tried to find like a journalist who's been the war. there. Yeah. <laughs> that is a massive turn up for the history books. There it is. <laughs> Everyone thought it was the Poland thing, but no. It was oh, snakes and the things the, you learn on this podcast. In a Kefalonian church. But if anyone's been there and seen the snakes do this thing mm. every year of slithering into the church, then um, I want to know about it. When I is it? I want to go. 15th of August. I want to go oh, too. we've got time. Cool. Um, another sect that I like is the Carpocratians, uh, a second century religious sect who I just like because they thought that um, you would be reborn constantly. They believed that man had to experience everything that was possible to experience on Earth. So oh. had to pass through every condition of earthly life before we could go up to heaven and didn't have to be reincarnated anymore. So they decided that they had to just do as much as they could, like commit as many sins as they could in their lives, you know, sleep with as many people as they could. It always seemed to be good stuff, actually. So they just lived this incredibly hedonistic life saying, the only way I'm going Sounds to heaven to me, that one. is if I tick off. It's fun, isn't it? Well, there are a lot of things that can be done in a human life, and not all of them are fun. You know, tax yeah. return, that's quite boring. So I think they might have just sort of sidestepped that yeah, exactly. bit of the argument. I think it's just drinking and sex, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, you have a list of everything that there is possible to do, and of course you put the sex and the drinking at the top oh, and right. the tax return at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the people who live till 120 years old who are going, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up to tax returns now. That's an amazing bucket list, though, isn't it? Yeah. Everything that could ever happen, ever. Yeah. yeah. It's on bucket list. <laughs> okay, um, kissing cat's anuses. Yeah. Um, one group of things that do kiss cats' anuses are other cats. Uh, because when you have a newborn kitten, uh, it must be stimulated to urinate and defecate, yes. so its mother will lick its anus to stimulate oh, really? that. Really? Yeah. 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 That's good, isn't it? I've okay. forgotten that. That's really. So they wouldn't unusual. know to urinate. No. If a mother forgot to lick its kitten's anus, the kitten would just explode with wee or something. Like Tycho Brahe. <laughs> yeah. That is a niche reference. That's very good. <laughs> I've forgotten there, what that is. There'll be people listening to this who got that reference. Tico. We talked about him. Tico Bra. Tico Bra. I talking about him. He was a Danish astronomer. Mm. And with a silver nose. With a silver nose. He lost the tip of his nose in a duel. Oh, and a pet yeah. elk that died falling downstairs drunk. Yeah. Which is amazing. And then one other thing about uh, kissing the anus of a cat. Yeah. Um, kiss the anus of a black cat is the name of a band from Ghent. Yeah, they sound good, don't they? Wow. But that's a good name for a band, Kiss the Anus of a Black Cat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not signing up to your label. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, do you think that was a a nod to the Cathars? It's a nod to witches, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, because demonology and heresy at the time, it was believed that um, Satan would take the form of a black cat. That's right. Which is why it was believed that the the kissing of the bumhole that the Cathars were alleged to have done was believed to be worshipping a Satan. I think you know that you're worshipping the wrong guy when he makes you kiss his anus. (laughs) It's like, this other sect are drinking and having sex all the time. Why am I kissing black cat's anus? I'm kissing your bum. Well, that is an obscene fact. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of anuses, oh good, I do have a link because I wanted to talk about like etymology that we've got wrong um, and that we should start spelling things like sovereign differently. So we've added the G into sovereign wrongly um, because that comes from the Latin super anus, which means highest one. And there's no G anywhere in that. And we've just assumed at some point that it's related to reigning. And so we've called it um, sovereign. We should be calling the queen the super anus of the the country. The super anus. Yeah, she's the super anus. That that we cannot broadcast. (laughs) 
I am in favour of free speech. <laughs> Can I just say as well, that sounds like the best superhero ever as well. <laughs> the super anus. <laughs> I don't know what he does. He <laughs> fires lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's all our facts. Thanks very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with any of us, you can get hold of us on our Twitter feed. Some of us. Andy, yours is... At Andrew Hunter M. James. At Eggshaped. Uh, your Twitter feed. At Greg underscore Jenna. And you can email me at podcast at qi.com. And Greg, what was your book again, which is out this week? It's called A Million Years in a Day. Curious history of everyday life from Stone Age to Phone Age. So it's like a history of all the stuff you do in a day where it comes from and it's great it's all right Mm. (laughs) Um, thanks very much for listening we'll be back again next week goodbye